Well, Flora lowered her wand and took a deep breath. I believe that's finished. She put a hand on her hip and struck a very self-satisfied pose. Bill stood behind her with his arms crossed, his eyes trained on the back of her silvery head, which managed to produce its own light even in the very dim glow of one lamp. But her hair wasn't as perfect as usual. She had tied it up tightly so it wouldn't trouble her while she worked, and fine, gently curling wisps had escaped at the nape of her neck and at her temples. She was practically a mess, wandering around the depths of gringotts in plain work robes and sturdy shoes, breathing hard from the exertion of difficult charm work, rolling up her sleeves just like everyone else. Even her accent was greatly diminished. The Z's that had made her sound exotic were lately under careful control, and she had adopted a deceptively British turn of phrase. Her face was, of course, remarkable, but there was little else about her to demand Bill's total attention. And yet, she had it. He couldn't take his eyes off of her. It was nearly too frustrating to bear. He retched his gaze to the spot she'd just enchanted and glanced over it. A nest of small corridor openings had been visible to the naked eye just hours before, and now the openings were nowhere to be seen. Bill raised his wand and muttered a few words to break the enchantment apart, but he was unable to destroy it. And that was a good thing, he reminded himself. Every one of her charms had been water-tight, and that was the only point in having her here. He stuck his wand back in his belt. It's done, he agreed, and studied the wall for as long as he could. But without anything further to occupy him, he couldn't help it. His eyes strayed back to her and lingered. There was one long lock of hair that had escaped entirely. It grazed Fleur's collar and continued all the way down to the small of her back. Bill's fingers itched to put it back in place, and he sent a silent curse in her direction. Fleur was apparently oblivious to his troubles. "'What's next?' she muttered to herself, pulling a scroll out of her robes and unrolling it to reveal a very complicated map, which she tapped with her wand. "'Assignment 18 is complete,' she said clearly, and touched her wand to the map, exactly where they stood. "'This is my location, and I am facing south.' Directions to the next task, please. Walk west and turn left at the fourth corridor, which is located just past the medium security vaults, said the thin, papery voice of the map. Continue to the end. On the left is a curse shield, which prohibits entry to all but our goblins. It is invisible. Take heed not to touch that shield under any circumstances. On the right is a wide door in the wall, which was once a hidden entrance. Please hide the door again, allowing it to appear only to Chief of Security, Magda Crustus. Thank you. Fleur tapped the map and put it away. Without turning around, indeed, as if she had forgotten Bill's presence altogether, she walked quickly in the direction the map had indicated. In seconds, she had been swallowed by the enormous darkness of Gringotts' underground tunnels. Lumos Splendidus, Bill said quickly, and several lamps came to life in the corridor where Fleur stood. The light was so much brighter than before that both of them winced and stood still for a moment. That was unnecessary, Fleur snapped under her breath. Bill wasn't sure why, but the sudden resurgence of her accent pleased him. Well, you won't find the right turn in the dark, he pointed out. I will light the lamps. I have told you I don't want help. He sighed. Fine. 
It had been like this ever since the first day she'd arrived, since he'd somehow angered her by speaking the truth. Nox totalis. He tried to apologize to her at Halloween, but it hadn't worked. The lights went out, leaving them in total blackness, and Fleur made a sound of annoyance. Lumos splendidus, she said, through obviously gritted teeth, and the lights came back on again. She continued forward, much more quickly, and took a sharp left after the vaults. Bill followed, irritated, yet glad that Gringotts had assigned him to look after the strength of Fleur's enchantments. For weeks he'd been breaking down the last of the curses in Gringotts' underbelly, and he had been unable to find any legitimate excuse to see Fleur or talk to her. And now, just as they were finally paired up together, she was leaving. He wondered if she was returning to France, or to some other exotic location, and he felt a stab of jealousy. Of course, she hadn't said anything to him. It wasn't like her to actually tell him anything, was it? He threw a disgusted look at her back as she disappeared into darkness again, down the next hallway. "'Planning to do these lamps?' Bill asked loudly. "'Or shall I—' "'Lumos splendidus!' Fleur interrupted haughtily, and the corridor was flooded with lamplight. Bill bristled at her tone. It wasn't fair. She was part Vila. She had no business getting so upset over his knowing it. Her continuing defensiveness only convinced Bill further that her charms had been responsible for his inability to control himself on that long-ago night in the dragon camp. He had tried to get a further explanation out of her after their confrontation in his office. He'd even tried to apologize for the way in which he'd brought it all up. She had barely been civil to him since her arrival, and that stunt she pulled in Madame Malkin's, pretending that they didn't even know each other. Bill glared silently at her, and reminded himself that Ron still deserved a punch in the mouth for being an insufferable arse. Fleur stopped where the corridor ended and peered left, her profile curious. She leaned close to what looked to be a perfectly innocent opening in the wall, but they both knew very well that it was a curse shield. The map had been clear in its warning. "'Don't touch it,' Bill said curtly, stepping closer to her. "'It'll suck you to the other side.' and I don't know what they've got back there, but they generally do serpents in the medium security wards. Ignoring him entirely, Fleur continued to study the dangerously empty space. She raised her hand toward it. I'm not kidding, Bill said, his voice taking on a panicked note that he couldn't quite hide. Get back from there. He wondered if he could grab her and successfully pull her back, but didn't try it. He feared he would startle her into tripping forward. Fleur looked over at him. When she caught his eye, she threw back her head and apparently for no reason at all shot him a dazzling smile. Worried about me, she cooed. Bill immediately felt sick to his stomach. Get back from there, he repeated sharply, then rashly added, and quit it with that crap. It doesn't work. Fleur finally dropped her hand. She stepped away from the curse shield and faced him fully, her eyes oddly bright. What doesn't work? she asked quietly. Bill swallowed. She was so close. And it was a damn private spot down here, really. And when she wasn't giving him flashy looks, her face was so sad. For a moment, he thought he could actually detect bags under her eyes. The smiling thing, he managed. Fleur did smile at that, but it wasn't the same thing at all. 
The corners of her mouth barely turned up and her blue eyes crinkled a little. Bill's heart lurched. It doesn't work, she repeated. Are you quite sure? She gazed up at him, and her expression changed entirely. She gave him another smile that showed all her teeth, and she tossed her head. Bill winced and stepped back. Whatever repellent Charlie had put on him, it was certainly haphazard. It failed about half the time, but succeeded the other half, and it was working well at the moment. I'm sure, he answered irritably, gesturing at the door in the right-hand wall and hoping she'd turn around, do her work, and leave him alone. The brittle smile left Fleur's lips, and the high polish vanished from her eyes, which sank back into their strange, sad depths. She studied his face for a long moment. Good, she finally said, and turned away. Bill leaned back against the wall. He hardly had a choice. That last, long look had left him oddly weak in the knees, and watched her work. The darkness, the proximity, his position with his back against rough stone, all of it reminded him of the night in the dragon camp. He thought of Percy for a moment, going back through several memories of his brother and reliving them in his mind. He also thought of Gabrielle, though he couldn't picture her exactly. He imagined a miniature version of Fleur, and wondered if Percy had an eye on her, wherever they were. He hoped so. He was so lost in thought that, when another long strand of hair escaped from the knot at the back of Fleur's head and uncurled until it lay flat along her back, Bill moved forward, took up the strand in his fingers, and began to twist it up with all the rest. Fleur spun at him so quickly that he nearly lost his footing. Not wanting to fall backwards into the curse, he dropped her hair and grabbed hold of her arm for balance. She stared from his face to his hand, her expression a mixture of alarm and something else. Her breathing sped up. "'What are you doing?' she demanded. Bill got his balance and let her go at once. "'Sorry,' he said, lifting his hand as if to show her it was harmless. "'Didn't want to fall.' He jabbed his thumb at the curse shield. "'But why was your hand on my hair?' She threw back her shoulders, and her voice was as French as it had been the first day they'd met. Bill didn't have an answer. He couldn't remember deciding to step up to her, or making the choice to touch her hair. He must have been... compelled, somehow. "'Guess it works after all,' he mused, hardly realizing he was talking out loud. Fleur started. Her eyes widened slightly, and when she comprehended his meaning, she let out a very bitter laugh. "'I am finished here,' she muttered, turning back to the door, which Bill realized was no longer a door at all, but a smooth expanse of enchanted wall, and lifting her wand again, said, "'Concluder,' she said crisply, then tucked her wand into her belt and went quickly past Bill. She was far away from him in seconds, rounding the corner before he could think clearly to stop her. "'Go on and test it,' she called back to him. "'It will not come down.' "'You'll get lost,' Bill called back, snapping to attention when he realized his mistake. "'Wait up!' he just made another comment about her Vila heritage without even meaning to do it. For the first time, however, and for some reason he couldn't quite place, he thought that perhaps she had a right to her indignation. He was struck by a desire to apologize, but Fleur had disappeared without bothering to answer. Ignoring the instructions emanating from his map, Bill took off down the corridor until he caught up with Fleur around the corner. 
Floor, he said, stopping a few feet behind her. She turned and crossed her arms, but did not speak. Look, Bill continued, not sure what it was exactly that he wanted to say. Where are you going when you leave here? I will be returning to my flat in Diagonelli, she answered, looking a little pleased with herself. So you're staying in London? You're not going back to France? I am not returning to France, she answered. She looked unwilling to give any more information, although her eyes seemed to be studying him intently. But when he caught her gaze, she looked away. And suddenly it was very, very important to Bill to know where she was headed. But he was having a difficult time saying it. Can't we be friends, he said, although as soon as he'd said the words, he knew that wasn't what he wanted. We could have dinner this evening to celebrate your last day. But Fleur only shook her magnificent head. I would not want to injure you in any way, Mr. Weasley, with my excessive powers. It is better for your digestion to eat without me. And with that, she seemed to vanish. Bill stood rooted to the spot for a few moments, wondering how in the world she'd managed to disapparate from the depths of the Gringotts' vaults. But a moment later, he caught a glimpse of golden hair disappear around a corner at the far end of the hall. For a long while he was unable to gather his thoughts, and finally, with a frustrated damn, he turned back down the hall to the hidden door and tried to make it show itself. It remained hidden on his first attempt, but Bill wasn't satisfied with that. This time he would truly test her. Beginning with the simplest and working up to the most dangerous, Bill used every breaking, fracturing, and splitting charm in his arsenal. He conjured every dividing spell he knew, and called on every destructive curse that he thought he could get away with in such a small space. He would feel better if he could only find a flaw in her work. There had to be a flaw, and he spent nearly as long trying to obliterate the charm as Fleur had spent building it up. Nearly an hour later, the seal was still perfect. Bill gave up, panting and cursing, and this time the curses had nothing to do with magic. He stormed back to his office in a fury, and after hastily completing the day's paperwork, blew angrily out of the bank and into Diagon Alley. The sun had just set, and the sky was purple. Stars were beginning to appear, though very few were visible with the city lights so near, and there was a wonderful, taut November wind rushing down the narrow wizarding street. Bill barely noticed any of it. He didn't even stop for the groceries that he, Charlie, and Mick desperately needed. He usually took the necessities upon himself, but he wasn't in the mood tonight. Briefly, he considered stopping into the pub and taking out his anger on a pint, but Flourish and Blotz was closer, and Bill charged into the bookshop, quite on a mission. He had put this off long enough, pretending that it didn't matter, but the situation was entirely out of hand. He never had so little ability to manage his emotions, even his actions. She was driving him out of his mind. He found the section on magical creatures and came to a halt. Vila, the definitive guide to the undefinable goddess. Bill pulled it from the shelf, read the back, and began piling other books into his arms. Women with wings and beaks and claws, so watch it, went into the stack, along with Siren or Sweetheart, a study of the natural enchantress, and How to Tell if You're Under Her Spell. 
It wasn't until he reached the counter and the salesgirl behind it gave him a funny, half-smiling look that he realized how obviously his purchases revealed his problem. Bill's face burned. Doing research? the girl asked tactfully, putting all of his books into a bag. Looks interesting. That's going to be ten galleons. Bill nodded. Research, he agreed, thankful for the excuse. And it was true, really. Are you a Weasley by any chance? the girl asked, handing him his change. You have the same hair as Ron Weasley, and you both clear out whole sections, she added with a grin. He bought a copy of every single Quidditch tabloid we had after the opening match. Ron's my brother. Why, do you know him? Bill asked, taking his bag. Oh, no, not really. The girl blushed. But I was at school with him, a year older, and I'd just heard of him, you know, everyone has, all those things he did with Harry Potter, and going about with Sirius Black, and being, you know, related to the minister, like you are, that sort of thing. Anyway, it was rather exciting to meet him. The girl trailed off and blushed darker, as if suddenly sensible of having babbled. Bill nearly gaped at her. He knew Ron had a girlfriend, knew he'd somehow invited Fleur on a dance at one point, and knew, ultimately, that his brother was well and grown up. Still, it was odd, seeing girls blush after him. His eyes darted to the salesgirl's name tag. Laurel. He'll have to remember to needle Ron about it later. He owed him at least that much of a jab. Well, I hope he didn't clear you out entirely, Bill said lightly, trying to be tactful for her in return. Though you'd better stock up. If the cannons keep winning, then he'll definitely be back for more. Oh, okay, Laurel said, looking pleased at the prospect. Bill left the shop, forgetting Ron, feeling well and truly armed. He would figure Fleur out, with or without her help in a way he had always figured things out in school. Thorough reading, intense study, and if that failed, he'd ask a professional. Long day, Mick asked with a grin, when Bill pushed his way into the flat and dumped his cloak on the hall table. No longer than yours, I'm sure. Bill glanced around the flat and raised his eyebrows. It's clean in here, he pointed out. Is everything all right? Mick laughed and straightened the collar of his dress robes. Bill's jaw dropped. You're wearing dress robes, he said. Charlie always said you were observant. Mick strode across the front room to a small mirror that hung above the wireless. He ran both hands through his hair and worked a little bit on his part. Why? Wait, who's all this for? Bill asked, shrewdly changing the question as he realized half the answer. You wouldn't believe me if I told you, Mick answered, turning around from the mirror and heading for the door. But he stopped in mid-stride and shook his head. No, no, he said to himself. Not done, you prat. He spun around and walked out, disappearing into his bedroom. Try me, Bill called after him. Nah, Mick called back. She's worried about her reputation. Bill snorted. No offense, but she can't be too worried, can she? What, going out with me? Mick reappeared, smelling distinctly, but not overwhelmingly, of cologne. She's damn well worried, he grinned again, because she's damn well smart. Bill was intrigued, but not enough to pursue his line of questioning. Charlie had been secretive about Cho Chang, and now Mick was being secretive about whatever tart he'd lined up for the evening. It hardly mattered to Bill, who had research to do. 
He sat down on the sofa and pulled the most technically informational of the books from his shopping bag. The Definitive Guide to Vila. What? Weasley, you're not honestly going to sit there and read that, Mick asked, pointing to the spine of Bill's book. Bill glanced warily up at him. Why? Don't tell me you spent money on it. Oh, blimey. Flourish and blots? Mick shook his head at the shopping bag. Bill shot him an aggravated look. I need it, he said shortly, and returned his attention to the table of contents. What for, when I know all about it? Mick laughed. Ask me a question about Vila and see if I can't answer better than that book. Bill looked back up at him, shocked at his own stupidity. He had entirely forgotten he lived with a species specialist. What's the difference between a full-blood Vila, he asked immediately, and one that's one-quarter? Mick whistled low. Huge, gaping, cavernous differences, he answered cheerfully, reaching for his cloak. He threw it on and grabbed his muffler and gloves from hooks around the door. How huge? What differences? Can't get into it now. Got to go. But it's Fleur, isn't it? Mick looked over his shoulder and gave Bill an appraising glance. Charlie and me were wondering when it'd start getting to you. I'll tell you everything you need to know later on. Read all you like, but I wouldn't waste my time. There's a game on in an hour. Listen to that and forget the books. You're willing enough to miss the game, Bill grumbled. He had an opportunity to get some straight answers, and he hated waiting. Yeah, I'm willing, Mick said, opening the door and letting in a blast of cold air. But I don't have to miss it. We're trading off. I take her out, and then she takes me in. He gave Bill a wicked look. Come to think of it, I bet I do miss the game. He pulled the door shut against the wind with a slam and was gone.